2 Samuel, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6, and I encourage you to keep your scriptures open there because we're going to, really this passage that we'll look at today is not just going to be on this passage. We're going to jump around uh, just a little bit. Uh, we've looked at lessons from King David for the last two weeks. What do we what did we learn from him in our first time together as we saw that he was somebody who could receive a word of truth? He owned that. And then he not only could receive correction, but then he took it to the next step to make his confession before the Lord. But he didn't stop there. He received the care of God and allowed God to minister not just to him, but then later through him to the person who was struggling with fear. And that's, that's where we were last week, fear and control. David not only struggles with fear last time, but you, you see it here as well. Even in his kingship, he's struggling with fear, and he's also here and elsewhere going to struggle with control. So we're going to look at uh, uh, 2 Samuel 6, but we'll jump around a little bit. Now listen, I understand uh, that there are, there are several nerds in this church, because I'm one of them. We have a group. Uh, we meet for support. And uh, I've not been able to do sermon outline for people like me who prefer outlines and to follow something in order. So I am going to do that a little bit today. We don't have bulletins, so you can't do it. But if you're a note taker like me, we're going to look at several D's. So get ready to write if you like to do that or put them in your phone. Okay, here's the first D. The first D from verse 9. You see it in, in David's life as he is distressed. He's distressed. And it's almost on every page. You go down to verse 9, he's angry, he's, he's scared, and then we'll get to it later. I think he's even doubting all of that just in one verse. David has stress and struggles in his life. And you just look at some of the surrounding passages here. Not only does Uzzah die here, but then he also, you know, two of his sons die. He's got enemies elsewhere. He's got friends trying to help him, and all they do is create chaos for him usually. Not always, but usually. He's got issues with wives. He's got wives who are taken hostage at some point. Even at Abner's death, he laments so deeply that he's just completely weakened. David, who is the anointed one, the anointed king, struggles with life. By the way, there's going to be so much here that speaks of the coming son of David. As we look at David's life, it really ought to point us to Jesus. And Isaiah would say, of that coming son of David, he will be what? A man of sorrows. And you see it here. The word Christ actually means anointed. David was anointed king. Jesus is the anointed one. And David had all kinds of struggles, even, if, even though he was a person after God's own heart. And Jesus, the perfect son of God, the incarnation of God, has struggles and is known as a man of sorrows. Some of the heartbreak is David's fault. We know that. We talked about that our first week together. A whole lot of it has nothing to do with God's will for him or David's sin. It's just life happening to David. There's struggle after struggle. And I don't know about you. Maybe there's been stress after stress for you in this season. Stress in marriage. Stress in a friendship, stress at work, stress in parenting, stress in how we do life together as church. We've all felt that. Um, David goes through it, and we see his response, even in the midst of all kinds of stress. And here's your second D. It's devotion. Um, devotion. 
You see him devoted in verse 5 before Uzzah dies. But even afterwards in verse 14, you see him dancing. And he's dancing with all his might in praise to God. He's just become king. The ark is with him. Several promises of God are being fulfilled. And so he's dancing. It's just like later in, in Psalm 30, he turned mourning into dancing. He praises before God. With all those good things, but even after somebody, he dies and he's struggling with that, he still praises God. You and I, and this is part of the heartbreak of gathering together because we want to minimize risk as best as we can. We can't sing right now. That's our bishop's direction, but there's also some wisdom to that, so we can't sing. However, I checked. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing said about dancing as a form of worship, and we can't do that. So if you're at home, just kind of stretch out, find a place where you're not going to bump into a coffee table. For us here, when I call you to stand, and just whatever's age appropriate, jitterbug, Charleston, nobody do disco. That's demonic. But the Harlem Shake, whatever's the latest thing on TikTok, y'all can do that. Now, why wouldn't we dance, right? Maybe we wouldn't dance because we don't want to hurt ourselves. <laughs> uh, maybe, we'd, maybe we'd want to be a good Wesleyan. And, and, you know, if I were to dance, it would, my wife would immediately run up here and do a public service announcement because <laughs> it's a public safety uh, issue if I dance in front of anybody. But we also wouldn't dance, and you'd probably feel uncomfortable because what would happen? Oh, you'd get a look, right? It's kind of like if anybody was around during the late 80s when the charismatic movement really grew in the United States, and all of a sudden somebody lifted their hand in worship. Does anybody, ever, does anybody remember the old days at Madison, the first person to raise their hand at worship, and what happened to them? They probably got the look, right? You might express myself like David expresses himself here, you bet you should. David, fully with all his might, is just trying to praise God and to let God know in the great times, but even when there's been a struggle, why did this happen to Uzzah? Why does that? I'm going to worship before you. And in verse 21, you've got, I'm just trying to dance, and somebody's got to say something. I was a college minister down the road at Christ Methodist when we went to a passion event. I went, took all my Ole Miss kids, went up to Ole Miss, picked them up in church vans, and took them to Memphis for a passion event at Germantown Baptist Church. And I remember, I can't remember if it was Redmond or uh, Chris, I can't remember who was leading worship that time, but I, I definitely remember what he said because he came out there with this packed church, sold out, this passion worship event at Germantown Baptist Church, and his first words to those crowd of college students was this, are you ready to worship? Yes. Are you ready to have a great time together in the Lord? Yes. Are you ready to sing? Yes. Are you ready to dance? Yes. And then you saw the shock come over his, his face because he realized where he was. Germantown Baptist Church. You don't dance, right? In that tradition back in the 90s, no dancing in the church. And so he said, no, no, when I say dance, and he starts trying to backtrack, right, which is just horrible. Uh, when I say dance, I mean like, you know, like they danced in Scripture for the Lord. You know, like David danced. Wait, he was half naked. Don't do that. And so he just, he just struggled. Can we 
not have to be so altogether. Now listen, God's a go- God is a God of order, not a God of confusion. Paul talks to the church about that. But, but are we worried about what other people might say about our worship or how we live or how we evangelize? Or can we be like David, even in the midst of stress, and say, I'll become even more undignified than this. I'm just going to worship God. I don't care who's watching or what you think or what you might say. He's fully devoted to the Lord. Distressed on every side, but devoted. Third word, going down to verse 20. But you see it here with Michael. There's immediate division. And this happens to David's life, and it can happen to our life. Immediately, you're just trying to love the Lord, and immediately there's division. You see it in the kingdom, right? They start with one kingdom with Saul, but even when David's brought in, there's division. Finally, he gets everybody back together. But then with Solomon and elsewhere, it keeps dividing, and it pretty much stays divided. Here with his wife, there's division. You read this book, 2 Samuel, and it's brother against brother. It's father against son. It's wife against husband. There's all kinds of struggle in this season. Uh, Maybe you and your business partners are having struggle or your administration and teachers are struggling over what to do. There's politics has created a vast division uh, within us. That's what the accuser of the brethren, the devil, loves to do, to come and to divide. All kinds of division. You can just watch Joab and what he does, uh, Rechab and what they do. It creates, they do things they're not supposed to do for David. He didn't ask. It creates all kinds of chaos and division. Sadly, even within the first few chapters of the book of Acts, division. Even division leading to death of two people. It comes all the time to us. But the, the reminder to us is, Jesus' prayer, really in some sense, even though he prays on the cross, his high priestly prayer in John 17 when he prays for us, he's praying for unity. Just at the very beginning of Scripture when he says two shall become one and, and, and there's unity there and oneness there, he's praying that for the church, that though we are many, we will be of one heart, one purpose, one will. And you even see that later in chapter 10 with Abishai and Joab. They're outflanked, but it's because they're unified. They don't divide their forces. They play in a unified will, and there is unity in their life. And I'm telling you, church, we have to always be on guard. We can never be settled. We can never be complacent in our friendships, uh, in, our, in our parenting, wife and husband, to always be unified in parenting, in our marriages, in our workplace, especially in the church. We have, we've got some of us worshiping now. We'll have some of us worshiping at 11 o'clock. We'll have most of us worshiping on the line. We are one church family, and we live to build faithful disciples who serve Jesus Christ. Unity of purpose, unity of will, unity of church family, unity of family, and, 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 and this world comes so quickly to divide. We always got to be on guard it came to David over and over and over now in his own life is there some division between him and God and this is the fourth D, verse 9 as I share with the children it could it be some doubt that has crept in as he's taken this ark and then he ends up because of this death he ends up getting a little bit nervous now listen he's not the only one you go back to chapter 3 Joab tries to raid doubts 
We go later to chapter 10, Hanan tries to raise doubts. Again, the devil loves to create a seed of doubt. Does God really love you? I'm going to look as many of you as I can in the eye. You know what you've done, and you haven't done perfectly before the Lord. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Can God still love you? Does God, does God want to be with you? King David should have known better, handpicked of God, yet you have him wondering here in verse 9, does he really, should I let the ark come to me? How could God let this ark come to me? And so he passes it off, and he passes it off, and that house gets the blessing because David doubted. Um, don't let doubt creep into relationships. Don't let doubt creep into your relationship with God. It creates struggles and issues for David and he missed out all of us probably doubt don't stay there long all of us probably doubt but don't stay there too long trust the Lord trust his promises trust his word so you won't as David did miss the blessings there's more we could talk about but this is this is the kicker and we'll close with this why David can ultimately dance before the Lord when he, there's going to be issues, why he can dance even in his hurt over how did this person die with the ark. It's because, and the last D words, and I, I don't know what you, word to use here. You could use the word dwell. You could use the word dependent. But that's, that's why David gets through. Just like when he faced Goliath down, we said last week, this battle is not mine. This battle is the Lord's. David could whip all kinds of people, right? He killed lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my, right? Is that right? He could whip anybody. Give me five smooth stones, I got him. But that's not what David said. This is the Lord's. And what you see in David's life, the reason even why people fear him, you'll see later, uh, not just the ark or the presence of God is with him, it's because God is with him and he's dependent on God for that there are bumps in the road sure where he struggles but ultimately it's because he's depending on God and God's presence you know we've talked a lot about this it's right to talk about Wesley's three rules for his Methodists the first rule is do no harm and that's why we I know we've been overboard on this but we just don't want to do any harm we value you, so we're being as careful as we can be with reopening and how we go about things. The second rule is do good. We want to do that as well. We want to make sure we're just not, not doing harm, but we want to be about doing good. But sometimes we forget about the third rule. You miss the third rule, and there's no way you're going to not do harm. There's no way you're going to do good. Do you remember the third rule? That was a fancy way he says it, keep the ordinance of God, but this is, this is how we understand it. Stay in love with God. Just stay in love with God. You stay in love with him. You know he's with you. You're banking and depending on him. I don't have to do harm anymore. I, I can do good. Why? Because I'm, as Paul would say over and over again in his letters, I'm in him. And when I'm in him, I can live the life he's called me to live. Stay in love with God with 
God. David's got his bumps. Yes, there's some times of doubt. He certainly has got all kinds of division and all kinds of dissension and distress around him. But he stays in love with God. His heart is for God, and that's why God can move in his life in so many ways. How is it today? You're looking around your life, and there's so much distress. How is it you want to say to God, I want my devotion to be clear to you. No matter what others may think, or no matter the circumstances, as hard as they may be, God, I want you to know this day you have my full devotion. Even as David embarrassed himself. We were, I went uh, last summer with the students to Lake Junaluska, and while we were there, they pulled out an old school, and sometimes the leader who leads worship there pulls out old school uh, youth praise hymns, and he did, and I love the, the verses to the to the praise song that he sang. Here's what he said, and he's talking about this moment in Scripture. I will dance. I will sing to be, meaning crazy, to be mad for my king. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. And I'll become even more undignified than this. Though some may say it's foolishness, I'll become even more undignified than this. Leave my pride by my side, and I'll become even more undignified than this. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this, your word, as we see through David, the one you've anointed to be king, uh, to serve the people, to be with you. We, we thank you for what we see in his life, that though he is pressed on every side, his heart and his devotion is for you, even to the point of embarrassment that he serves you. He was clear about his love and his praise for you. Father, if we're stepping back, if we're worried about the world and the world's opinion, Father, keep us from that. And may our devotion to you be clear this day. If there's ways in which we need to tell you that we love you, that you are first, help us to do that this morning. Father, I also pray uh, that, Father, we would, we would not only be devoted but, Father, as, as we look at David's life, we would, as we struggle with our doubts, that we would give those to you, that we would trust how you worked in David's life, how you blessed him, how you were with him, even after struggles, even after willful sin, yet you still loved. Father, help us not to doubt your redeeming love. And, Father, also we pray that we be fully dependent on you. We're, we talked about it last week. Sometimes we try to operate out of our own strength and in our work, in our parenting, in our relationships, in our ministry, our evangelism. Help us to give that fully to you. We know that that's your will. You desire to be with us, that you're for us, Father. Help us to let go of that, let go of control, and just simply enjoy you as David did. Father, we thank you for this, your word. Now bless our response to it. In the name of Christ and for his kingdom's sake, we pray. Amen.